There's a, a story told of a woman that visits her husband who's serving a 30-year prison sentence. After talking to him a while, she realizes that he's a bit exhausted and he's got a lot of calluses on his hands. So before she leaves, she goes to the correction officer and she says, I have a complaint about this place. She said, I believe you're treating my husband unfairly. I understand he's in jail and all, but no one should have to be forced to work like he is. He is absolutely exhausted. The officer looks at her with a smirk and says, are you kidding me? Working hard. He said, all he does is eat, sleep, and hang out in his cell all day. She said, your, or he said, your husband doesn't do a thing around here. The wife looks at the correction officer and replies, that's not true. He just told me he has spent the past six months digging a tunnel. There you go. All right. I was hoping you would get it. Your joke of the day, you are welcome. I know many of you come just to hear my jokes because they're so good. You are blessed, in case anybody hasn't told you that. <laughs> well, let's get started. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our series called Closer, and I believe that God has given me a great truth to share with you today as we conclude this series. Next week, make sure you're here, either in person or online. Very important service. It's our annual celebration weekend. This service takes place of our, um, of our annual, uh, annual business meeting, and so we're going to have the annual reports ready for you. If you're watching online, you can't make it, we'll have those available online for you as well. Then the week after that, the last week of February, we're going to be starting a series based on the book of Ephesians that we're going to be called that we're going to be calling adulting. Um, Ephesians is a great book that outlines the the maturing process of a Christian. So we're going to be digging into that and that should take us up to Easter. It's going to be a great series, a lot of great stuff coming up. So if you have your Bible or Bible app this morning, go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 and we're going to start reading at verse number 30. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 38, the story of David and Goliath. If you don't have your Bible or Bible app, it's going to be up on the screens if you want to follow along there. But just as a reminder, if you don't have a Bible, we have them for free. Um, just stop by the hub after service. We have them in English and in Spanish if you need one. So please just make sure you stop and tell them what you need and we'll get you hooked up. Okay, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Starting at verse 38, we're going to read through verse 50. It says, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Verse 40, then he took his staff in hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, 
But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. Pretty mean fighting words there. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Verse 48. When the Philistine rose and it came and, and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone, the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. He struck the Philistine and he killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. I'm calling this message this morning, Another Man's Armor. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. I pray, God, that you would anoint these words that I'm about to say. I believe, God, that you have given me a very, a very strong and powerful truth that has the ability to change lives here today. But, God, unless you anoint these words, these words will fall flat but God, if you anoint them, they will change lives. And so that is what I pray today, God, that you would give me the strength that I need to preach this message for your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me give you a little, a little bit of a background to set the scene here on what's happened. This famous story of David and Goliath take, it took place in the valley of Ella, which is about 15 miles to the west of Bethlehem. At this time, you had two armies prepared to go to war. The Philistines were on one side and the Israelites were on the other side. These images will give you an idea of what this would have looked like. So this first, this first image, this first map shows that the Israelite army is on one side, the Philistine army is on the other, and they are separated by what is known as a dry creek bed. It's usually dry, but on heavy rain, it will fill up with water. This next picture shows you a modern-day picture of this valley of where this battle took place. Of course, minus the roads and the buildings and all that. But you can see just to the south there, that line of trees, that's your dry creek bed. And so the armies would have been positioned on both sides of this creek bed. Now, in, instead of engaging the Israelites in full battle, the Philistines decide to send out a champion fighter by the name of Goliath and he challenged the Israelites to send out one soldier themselves for one-on-one -on -one combat. So instead of the armies coming and being a lot of bloodshed, they said, why don't we do this? I'll come out, fight one man, one against one, winner take all. Whoever wins this battle, uh, the, it wins the war, and then the losers would be slave, become slave to the winner. So Goliath is a massive man. The Bible says he was six cubits and a span tall, which would have roughly been nine feet, nine inches tall. And I know some of you might say, well, that seems a bit unrealistic, somebody nine feet, nine inches tall, but this is something that has been proven as archaeologists have uncovered human skeletons this size, and we even have modern-day pictures of men like Robert Wadlow, or Wadlow, who stood at an amazing 11 feet, or eight feet, 11 inches, and he had an arm span of nine feet five inches. 
But Goliath is not only a very tall man, he's also a very strong man. Listen to this. Listen to the armor that he wore. said he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had, a, he had bronze armor on his legs, and with a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders, the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. To give you an idea, the weight of his armor would have been roughly 125 pounds, just for the weight of his armor. So to give you a visual, he was probably going to have to have biceps similar to mine in order for him to carry that much weight. I don't know why you're laughing. I, it's not a joke. The joke was at the beginning. Now I'm serious. <laughs> so he's a, he's, a very, he's a massive man. Verse 8, he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to drop for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man, that's important, that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So this is a massive man that's taunting. Nobody wants to face him. They're all afraid. Here is a man that's publicly defying the Israeli army. Everyone in this army is terrified. For any of them to take the field and fight this giant, it's going to be sure defeat. They know someone has to fight him, but fear overtakes them. And this goes on for 40 days. 40 days he taunts this army. Now, in this Israeli army, there are three of David's older brothers. David himself, this man named David, is back in Bethlehem taking care of the sheep. And David's father, Jesse, comes to David. He becomes to get concerned about his sons that are out fighting this battle. And so he goes to David and he asks David to take some food to his brothers on the battle line and to their commander and to get a, give him a report of what's happening in this battle. So David arrives at the battlefield to bring his brothers this food and he finds his brothers there on the battle line. As he begins talking to his brothers, he witnesses Goliath come forward and begin to shout these insults. David sees and hears the insults coming from this giant, and this is what he says in verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now David's older brother Eliab hears David say this, and look at how David's brother responds. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard, uh, heard when he spoke to the men, heard when David spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Basically, you're neglecting your job. I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to just watch the battle. And David said, wait, what have I done? What is, was it not but a word? 
He basically, I'd not just ask a question. And he turned away from him toward another, and he spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. Now, why would Eliab, his brother, accuse David of this? This seems a bit odd. David, after all, he's just asking a question. But it's important to understand something. For the past 40 days, Eliab has sat on the sideline listening to these threats of Goliath. For the past 40 days, he has cowered in fear. Along comes his brother David, and Eliab sees that his brother David is not afraid. This bothers him. This fact forces all of the insecurities within Eliab come to the surface, and because of his own insecurities, now watch this, instead of encouraging David... He instead tears David down with his words. Listen to me. When you step out and you do things for God that other people are scared to do, you will more often than not be criticized for it. People will criticize you because of their own fears and their own insecurities. They're afraid that just maybe you might succeed doing the very thing they're afraid to do. Now, this is very common among family members, and it's especially common among siblings, just like we see here. Unfortunately, many of us believe these criticisms, and we allow the words that other people have spoken over us to define who we are. We don't believe that we're good enough because someone that we love and someone that we trust told us we were not good enough. We don't believe we're smart enough because that's what we have been told. Rather than believing what the Word of God says about us, we believe the criticisms that come from the people that are actually insecure about themselves. And it keeps us paralyzed on the sideline. We never move forward because we are believing a lie. Some of you in here this morning need to break free from the lies that other people have spoken over you. You will either believe what God says about you or you will believe the lie. For some of you, it's the lies that have been spoken over you by your parents. For some, it's the words of a sibling. You have believed a lie about yourself based on someone else's perception of you. And it's time for you to break free and to see and understand who you really are. It's time to break free and see the person that God has created you to be. When David's brother speaks this to David, notice it doesn't even phase him. David brushes the destructive words off. And he continues moving forward. And that is exactly what we have to learn to do. But it's easier said than done. The Bible says he turned away. He started talking to someone else. Word of David now starts to spread. Word of David wanting to fight the giant. His questions that he's asking. Everybody's afraid. And here comes this young man. And he doesn't have that fear. And it makes the word makes makes it all the way back to the king, King Saul. So Saul sends for David, verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. So David's saying, I will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, 
for you're but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, okay, go and let the Lord be with you. So David tells Saul that he will fight Goliath. David, Saul thinks the kid's lost his mind. He tells him he's too young, he's too inexperienced. But Saul also realizes that he doesn't have much other choice because no one else is stepping forward to fight this giant. So he gives him the green light to face Goliath. And in order to help David with this task, Saul offers David his armor. Verse 38 again. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head. He clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried to go in vain, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Here we see that David puts on the armor of the king. He puts on the armor of another man. You see, this was war. These types of wars are fought with armor. They're fought with swords. But fighting with armor was not David's gift. Now, this is important. I want you to listen to me very carefully. David was not trained to fight with armor. If David would have taken that to the, taken to the battlefield in the armor of another man, wanting to use the giftings of another man, he would have been slaughtered. God did not give him the gift of fighting with armor. As a matter of fact, this video comes to mind when I think of David trying to put on that armor. Take a look at this. Preparing to go to school was like getting ready for extended deep sea diving. kid brother looked like a tick about to pop. What? What is it? What is it? What is it? I can't put my arms out! Put your arms down when you get to school. And there you go. Now you're going to think of David and Goliath every time you see that clip, see that movie. But again, David isn't trained to fight with armor. David had to fight this battle with the gift that God had given him. So what was David's gift? David's gift was none other than a piece of leather called a sling. David's gift was not a sword. His gift was not a spear. His gift was not armor. David's gift was a sling. 
Now, for those of you that don't know the history of the sling, it actually was not a toy. It's not the thing that we see in the, in the dollar store sold today. A sling back in this day was actually a very devastating weapon. If you do the calculations of the ballistics of the stopping power of a rock fired from one of these slings, it's roughly equivalent to the stopping power of a 45 caliber handgun. Armies use these slings in battles, and shepherds like David use them to protect the flocks from wildlife. So day after day, David would watch those sheep, and day after day, David would twirl that sling, practicing. I can just see him putting up items on the fence post and knocking them down. Now, people in this day that were skilled with the sling were actually deadly. Look at Judges chapter 20 and verse 16. It says, Among all of these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed, and everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. These stone slingers were so deadly accurate, they could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. David was thrown out with the sheep where he had no choice but to pick, pick up this skill. So he practiced day after day after day. So here he is, ready to face the giant, armed with a sling and five stones. David had been faithful for years behind the scene honing this gift. He didn't just sit on his rear and waste time. He worked on his gift behind the scenes faithfully for years. So when it was ready for time, it was ready for him, for God to come and tell him to be ushered into his destiny. Let me ask you something. Are you wasting your gift? Maybe you've got, been given a gift from God and you're wasting it because you don't feel like it's important. Some of you have a musical gift and you're wasting it. You're letting it die. Some of you are called to preach and you're wasting it. You're letting it die. You have believed the lie that you are not good enough. God has given you that gift. What do you mean it's not good enough? The creator of this world gave that gift to you, but you have believed the lie that it's not good enough. Some of you have leadership gifts and you're letting it die. I want to encourage you, quit believing you are not good enough and pick up your sling. Dust that thing off and begin flinging the stones. Those stones might start going in the opposite direction of where you want them to go at first. But I want to encourage you to keep swinging the sling. You keep swinging that sling until you start hitting your target. Do not waste the gift that God has given you. I remember when I first started preaching... Man, it wasn't good. It's not a whole lot better now, but it was really bad back in the day. But I remember when I started, I was trying to find myself. And so in trying to find myself, what we typically do, what we all do, is we tend to copy others. And one big one that I tried to copy, because I liked it, was the preachers that preach with no notes and they run all over the stage jumping up and down lighting the thing on fire. And I remember in the early days thinking, man, that's who I need to be. I want to be like that guy. Because it seems like preachers really like guys that can do that. And they say they're more anointed when they can do that. And so I tried it. And it was a train wreck. 
And I took the stage trying to fight the battle dressed in another man's armor. I took the stage trying to fight the battle using another man's gift. And I failed, and when I failed, everybody lost. And I looked so ridiculous. I'm glad I didn't, that we didn't have social media back then because I'm pretty sure I'd have been made into a meme. I almost guarantee it. But I realized that the gift of memorization is not a gift that God has given me. I can't do what Amber did just a while ago. Wasn't that amazing? She memorizes all of that stuff in just a few minutes. I mean, Amber, can I have just a little bit of that? <laughs> I could go up to Amber, not even kidding, at 9.30 a.m. in the morning and say, Amber, I need you to quote the book of Matthew at service today. And she'd be like, okay, no problem. I'll be there. <laughs> Truly amazing. I don't know how she does that, but that is not my gift. I wish it was. But instead, I have the ability to articulate things pretty well on paper. I do very well when I can type things out and when I can present my thoughts in that way. I've, under, I've, I've, I've come to realize that people understand me better when I do that because I'm not all over the place. And so now everybody wins. So that's my sling. And it takes a tremendous amount of time transcribing every message to preach, but I have learned to flow in the gift God has given me and not try to walk in somebody else's gifting. Listen, God did not create you to walk in another man's armor. God did not call you to walk in another man's gifting. He called you to walk in your gifting. And don't discredit what God has called you to do just because you don't have the gifting of somebody else. I've seen so many people run from the call of God because they feel like they're not equipped right. I've had people tell me of dreams to start clothing closets, ministries, food ministries, marriage ministries, dreams to go into full-time ministry. The list could go on. And they have this dream to do something great for God, but they look at themselves in the mirror and they see a person that's not good enough, a person that's not smart enough. They see a person that doesn't have a tremendous amount of talent like the guy next to them. And they believe the lie that they'll never amount to anything and that they can never do it because their gifting's not the same as this person. And people have told them that. People have told them that their Goliath is too big. And they believed the lie. But I want you to know that is not what God sees when he looks at you. God sees a warrior. He sees a champion. And I believe that there are people in here that have a dream from God to change this world and you have run from it because your Goliath is too big. And God is telling you today, it's time to return to the battlefield. I never gave you permission to leave the battlefield. It's time to face Goliath. And he doesn't want you. He's not asking you to strap on somebody else's armor. He doesn't want you to use somebody else's talent. God wants you to use what he's given you, what he's placed in your hand, because that's all he needs. He just needs what he's given you. Now pick up your sling, pick up your stone, and get out to the battlefield because the Goliath that's keeping people in bondage that you're supposed to set free is still there. He needs to be destroyed. God never asks you to walk in another man's armor. God wants you just to take what he's given you and go to the field.
take the gifts he's given you, take the talents he's given you, and use those to change this world. You won't have the giftings of me, and I won't have the giftings of you. That's not the way this works. You don't have to be like me. You walk in your own gifting. For 40 days, Goliath defied the name of God. Now, notice what he said. Over and over again, Goliath spoke the words, send me a man. God could have sent lightning out of the sky and destroyed that giant like that. But he didn't. Because God has chosen to accomplish his purposes on this earth through us, through mankind. Satan knows that. So Goliath shouts, send me a man. Send me someone to fight. And Satan is still yelling the same thing today. He's in the darkest areas of our city. And he's just taunting the kingdom of God. Send me a man. Send me a woman. I dare you because I will destroy you. And this is why I'm so passionate about getting a fleet of buses and going out and picking up the people of the city that nobody else wants. Picking up the precious children that are living with no hope and bringing them to a place where they can experience the love of God. We are not going to sit back and do nothing and allow the Goliath of our city to destroy the people of our city. He's saying, send me a man. And we're shouting, okay, here we are, God, send us. And so David walks out onto the battlefield armed with this little old sling and the enemy mocks him. I can just picture this young boy making his way towards this massive man. Nobody thinks he can do it. Nobody on that field thinks he's got what it takes. They're probably in their mind's eye wondering what slavery is going to look like because David's going to get killed. Negativity all around him. It would have been so easy for him to believe all of this. Can you imagine the only one for you is God? Only God thinks you can do it. Nobody else thinks you can do it. And it's easy when everybody's coming against you and they think you can't do that for you to stop and reconsider. And then you see the size of Goliath's spear and you compare it to the size of your sling. And the sling was all David had, but God said, David, that's all I need because that's the gift I've given you. You just take your gift. Any one of those soldiers could have stepped up that day, and I believe that God would have given them the victory. Not dressed in Saul's armor, but he would have given them victory if they used their gifting. But out of fear, they all stayed on the sideline. Some of them stayed on the sideline because they believed the lie. They believed the lie that they weren't good enough. And others stayed on the sideline because they didn't believe they had the right gifting to carry out the assignment. The mountain looked too big. I don't have the proper gifting to conquer that. But David stepped forward, and he just simply used the gift that God had given him, and he stepped forward and slayed the giant. I'm going to ask Melissa to come forward at this time, and if I could have you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this out. I wonder how many people in this room today are sitting on the sidelines with the same fears of that Israeli army. And God has called you to face Goliath. I believe God's speaking to some of you right now because you've run from the call of God. Years ago, maybe, God has told you, he has put on your, he birthed something in your heart and you've run from it. 
God has called you to face Goliath. For some of us, we felt God speak to us years ago, just like I said, but boy, that giant's big. We believe that we're not good enough. We believe that we're not equipped right to face the battle ahead of us. And I want you to know today that you are good enough. God's giving you the gifts and the talents that he's given to you on purpose because he had a plan for that. You won't look like the guy sitting or the lady sitting next to you. Your gifts will look different. God doesn't ask you to go fight the battle with their armor. He asks you to take what he's given you and go face Goliath with the gifts that he has given you. I want you to know today that even though you're in here and you might not feel like you're good enough or you might not feel like you've got much to offer, all you need to finish the job is what God's given you. And maybe you're like me and you don't have the best memory in the world. That means you just have to study a little bit harder. That's okay. Then you study a little bit harder. But church, I want to tell you today, it's time for us to rise up and be faithful with what God has given us. It's time for you to stand up and face your Goliath. Father, for the next few moments, I just... I want to say a special prayer over those that are sitting in this room right now that have maybe believed some of these lies. They believe the lie of I'm not good enough. They believe the lie that their gifting isn't enough. And I believe today, God, that you're speaking to them and you're going to speak life into them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, if you would just move right now. And God, the people would leave this place encouraged. They would walk out of this place with the same same enthusiasm and vigor as David did to say, this is all I've got, God. But it's all you've given me, so it's I know it's all I need. And so I'm gonna go face Goliath just what I've with what I've got in my hand here, and I'm gonna trust you, God. But I'm ready to face Goliath. Because I can do all things through Christ who's given me strength. And you've created me for this moment. God, I just pray that you would speak to those right now. God, those that have been discouraged. God, that they would leave this place today with a new fire in their bones. And the thought of I am good enough. My gifts do matter. My gifts can change the world. Because they're from the creator of the world. God, I just want to thank you for it today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your blessings, God. In Jesus' name. I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I never like to close a service without giving you a chance to get your life right with God. And I believe that there's some people in here today, I believe there's some people watching online that you need God in your life. And you need him in your life bad. And it's by no mistake that you are in here today. God brought you into this place for this moment right now. Some of you in here today, you feel like there's something missing inside of you. You feel like there's 
an emptiness there and you can't figure out how to fill it. You've tried to fill it with the things of the world. You've tried to fill it with money. You've tried to fill it with relationships and you wake up the next day and you realize you're still empty. That emptiness can only be filled through your creator. It can only be filled through Jesus Christ. And I believe that when God created us, he created us on purpose with that emptiness that we would always long for him. Jesus says, I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. He's the only one one that can fill you. So if you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I need that in my life. I need God in my life. I feel that. I know that emptiness that you're talking about right now. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. I'm ready to give my life to him. If that's you all over this room, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If that's you, I want to pray with you before you leave today. And so what I'm going to do, just so I know who I'm praying for, is I'm going to simply count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you, say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need God in my life. I want you to lift your hand into the air when I get to three because I want to see and I want to know who I'm praying for today. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. This is between you and God right now in this moment. I'm the only one that's looking. I want to see your hand on the count of three because I want to know who I'm praying for today. One, two, three three right now. Put them up, put them up, put them up. Yes, I see them going up all over the place. Thank you, God. Thank you in the middle here on the sides. Praise God. There's probably 15, 20 hands right now. God, you are so good. You can put them down. Now, those of you that just lifted your hand, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. The Word of God tells us that If we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that he rose from the dead, we will be saved. I'm going to give you a chance to confess with your mouth right now that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to say it slowly and I'm going to pause and I'm going to ask you to repeat it out loud after me. I don't care what the person next to you is doing. This is between you and God. Those of you that didn't lift your hand, I encourage you to say it with them to encourage them today. But this moment right here is between you and God. And when you speak this prayer, you're speaking to him just as if he's sitting next to you. I cannot save you. Only he can save you and set you free. So we're going to invite Jesus to come into our life. And we're going to confess with our mouth that he is Lord today. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I confess that I am a sinner. I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And I thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of all my sin, of all my shortcomings. And so today, Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord, my God, and my Savior. I surrender to you. I give you my life. I give you all that I am. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And thank you, Jesus, for making me brand new. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we celebrate what God has done? The the miracle of salvation is the greatest miracle that you will ever witness. Now listen to me. 
If you just said that prayer, your journey doesn't start today or uh, stop today. It starts today. It's a brand new path for you to start. So what I want you to do is I want you to take out your cell phone. This is so important. If you don't have a phone, you could stop by the hub, and we've got some resources that we can give you at the hub when you leave. Just fill out one of the decide cards in the back of the, uh, back of the, the pew there and take it out to the hub. If you have your cell phone, this is much easier. Take out your cell phone and text the word decide, D-E-C-I-D-E, to the number on the screen, 920-663-4778. It's 92066-FIRST. Text the word DECIDE to that number. You'll get a follow-up text. Fill out the information. And then for the next 30 days, we're going to send you a text message of a, of a devotional, a follow-up that we want you to go on a journey over the next 30 days that explains what your next steps are in your walk with Christ. So please make sure that you do that. I can tell you right now, your very next step is water baptism.